Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love Bart and that you have given him a story to tell. Lord God, we are hungry for stories of your goodness, provision and grace. Lord God, we pray that you would speak to us through what Bart has to say this morning, that we would hear your voice through his. Lord God, we pray that you bless Bart and you bless the rest of us. And all those people said? Amen. 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 I'm going to run at the back because there's a couple of PowerPoint things. Thank you very much. So good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> uh, so first of all, I just want to say thank you very much to, uh, to Kev for inviting me here. It's great to be able to come and share, uh, share with your church this morning. And um, you would have seen already that there's something a bit different about me, and I'm, I was born physically disabled. And uh, so I'm going to be sharing my story with you a bit, a bit this morning. But having my disability, it can get me into some quite amusing situations sometimes. And when I was uh, 17 years old, I went to uh, sixth form uh, at a school near Bristol. And the school, although it was a mainstream school, they had a number of disabled people there at the school. So um, they had some staff there, especially to help out these disabled people. And uh, one of these members of staff came up to me one day saying, we've just received something through the post which you might be interested in. It's regional trials for disabled athletics, basically for the southwest of England. And would you like to have a go? And I thought to myself, I've never raced disabled people before. This could be quite good fun. And uh, so she said the event uh, was taking place down in Yeovil, which from my house was about an hour and a half's drive. And she said it's in, taking place in just over three weeks' time. So if you're going to enter, you need to enter pretty quickly. So I took the forms home and I thought to myself, I'm not very quick, but I can keep going. So I entered the uh, 1,500 metres. And then I thought, if I'm going all the way down to Yeovil, what's the point in doing one race? I might as well enter a second race too. And so, so I entered the uh, 400 metres as well. Now, you have to bear in mind that at that point, I'd never run 1,500 metres before. <laughs> I, I'd walked the distance, but I'd never run it. But I thought, oh, it'll be fine. I can train for it. And so I trained for it over those three weeks. And I, uh, I gradually built up to the distance, and I ran the 1,500 metres twice in practice. And then it was the uh, day of the event, and I arrived in Yeovil. And my name was called for the starting line for the 1,500 metres. And I thought it was going to be like the Paralympics, where they put you into categories according to your disability. No. There were three of us. There was me, there was someone who had cerebral palsy, and the other man who was partially sighted. He could run just like anyone else. He just couldn't see so well where he was going. And I thought, this is going to go horribly wrong. Anyway, the race got underway, and I was soon well behind the other two, and it suddenly it occurred to me, the partially sighted man, he's going to lap me. Is he going to see me? And fortunately, he ran round me. And then the cerebral palsy man lapped me, and then the partially sighted man lapped me again. And I ended up having to run the whole last lap all on my own. And then I was coming on the final bend with 200 meters to go, and I heard an announcement over the sound system, can Bart G please come to the starting line for the 400 meters? <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm on my way. 
So almost as soon as I finished the 1500 meters, I had to do the 400 meters as well. I was, I was, I was tired. And do you know what was wrong with the winner of the 400 meters? He was deaf. My only chance was that, was that he couldn't hear the gun. <laughs> I thought, how is this fair? I've just run the best part of a mile with my disability, and that was his first race. Uh, so that's one, of, that's one of many stories I could, I could share with you anyway. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I better carry on with my story. So, um, so when I was five years old, I went to a, I went to a car auction uh, with my family. And uh, dad and my brother, uh, they got out the car, and I was sitting in the car with mum. And I said to mum, I want to become a Christian. How do I become a Christian? Because I had, even with my limited understanding at that age, five years old, I had absolutely no doubt about God's existence. So uh, mum, first of all, explained to me the scripture from John 3:16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And she said, I need to pray and ask Jesus into my heart. And that's when I made my own personal decision. I prayed and invited Jesus into my heart and to be central in my life. Now, I've had the, I've had the uh, question asked in the past, if God is real, if God is a loving God, why hasn't he healed me of my disability? And I do believe that God can heal people, but I also believe that God can use people uh, through the difficulty uh, of a situation so that his works can be displayed and for his, for his glory to shine through that person. And uh, one scripture, I think it will, it will probably come up on screen, is 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 8 to 10. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Uh, for when I am weak, then I am strong." So I was, I was born severely disabled with a rare condition called arthrogryposis, which means that I have uh, weak muscles and stiff joints. And it affects people in different ways. So one person might be affected in maybe just their arms. Another person might be affected in just their legs. Other people like me, it affects their whole body. And each person is basically uniquely affected as to how severe uh, it can be. And, uh, and when I was born, the doctors told my parents, um, looking at me the way I was, that I would never walk and that I may never have the uh, strength to be able to sit up independently. I, I just wouldn't be strong enough. And I was basically just given no hope to be able to do anything uh, uh, for myself. But uh, I was brought up in a Christian family and the, uh, the church that I went to, the pastor of our, of our church, uh, he, uh, he prophesied to my parents when I was a baby, saying that little by little, I will be able to do more and more uh, new things that will amaze people. And he prayed for two things specifically. He, uh, the first thing he prayed was that one day uh, I would be physically able to walk down the aisle of the church. And this was obviously going against what the doctors uh, were saying. Well, anyway, I was able to actually sit up on my own at quite a young age, and to get around, I would literally just sort of shuffle across the floor to wherever I wanted to go. Uh, but when I was three years old, I used to go to uh, physiotherapy sessions uh, very regularly at the uh, Bristol Children's Hospital. And um, I remember clearly one session, I remember it clearly to this day, where the physiotherapist, she propped me up 
against the wall. Just imagine, just imagine I'm against the wall now. And she let go of me. She said, I want to see if you can start walking. And I tried, I tried, and I tried, and I couldn't move away from the wall. And I was, I was quite frustrated at the time because there were other children my age run, running around, up on their feet running around, and I thought, well, why can't I do that? I didn't really understand at that age what my disability meant to me, and I didn't realize that I actually looked sort of quite different from everyone else. But sometime after that, I was around three and a half years old, and there was, uh, there was one night when mum was carrying me up the stairs to go to bed. And as we were going up the stairs, I had this thought just drop into my head. And that thought was, was that now I'm going to start walking. It was just so clear to me, even at that young age, three and a half years old, now I'm going to start walking. And so I said to mum, I think I'm going to start walking now. And so in the same way as the physiotherapist propped me up against the wall, mum propped me up against the wall. She let go of me. And I took one two, three steps, and then I fell down. I'm not going to fall down now. It'll take me too long to get back up again. <laughs> I tried it again, and I took one, two, three steps, and then I fell down. Now, someone who is physically disabled is often referred to as having physical difficulties, and you might take the word difficult and think of other words which have a similar meaning. You might think of the word hard or maybe the word challenging. And is there, is there a word that sums up these three words, difficult, hard, and challenging? And for me, that word is possible. Difficult means possible. Hard means possible. Challenging means possible. So for me, it was quite significant that I was able to start by taking three steps. Because my first step was aided by the wall, but then I was able to take two more steps, one on each foot, unaided before falling down, which meant that both legs were strong enough to take me, which meant, which meant for me that walking would be the start of something difficult. It would be hard. I knew it was going to be a real challenge for me to get going, but I still knew it would be possible. So from then onwards, it was a matter of could I do a little bit more each day. And I remember the day after I took my first steps, so I'd be downstairs at home, uh, and my parents would prop me up against the wall, and I, I'd have to try and make it from one side of the room to the other. And I'd get part way across, and I'd fall down, and I'd get a bit picked up and get a bit further, and I'd fall down again. And then they'd pick me up, and I eventually made it over to the other side of the room. And then I was gradually able to do more and more each day until I was able to walk in my own way without thinking about what I was doing, which for me was great. It meant such freedom, such independence. I didn't have to rely on anyone else to actually help me move around. <laughs> so so then, I, uh, then I, went, I, went to, I went to school and I would go out with my friends uh, to the uh, playground at break time. And uh, I didn't want to watch them play sport. I wanted to try and take part in whatever I could. Uh, and you have to bear in mind that because my disability is, is quite rare, I didn't know anyone with the same disability as me growing up. 
So if I was to take part in these sports, I'd have to really try and adapt and find my own way. Uh, and I was often worse or slower than everyone else, but the, the most important thing was that I could actually join in. I just didn't want to watch. And just some sports I'd need to take part in were things like running, football, uh, table tennis. I actually had to go at rugby. Um, I couldn't really catch a ball and I couldn't get up off the, off the floor, but apart from that, I was all right. <laughs> And, uh, and sw swimming, just to mention a few sports. And, and when I was eight years old, I started having swimming lessons at school. And uh, in my first swimming lesson, my swimming teacher, he put a life jacket on me. And he came in the shallow end of the pool with me. And he said, I want to see if you can start swimming. And my disability affects my whole body. So I've got very limited use of my arms and legs. So for example, I can't lift my arms any higher than that to actually keep them there. I can swing them but there's no strength in my arms to actually keep them in the air. But the fact that I had that bit of movement in my arms, it meant I could swim slowly in the water. So at the end of that first lesson, my swimming teacher said to me, right, I'm gonna take off your life jacket now. I want you to go and swim down to the deep end, which for me was a bit outside of my, my comfort zone, but I, I made it in the end. It took me a couple of minutes to get down there. Uh, and then sometime after that, he wanted to, uh, to teach me to dive, uh, to dive into the pool at the deep end. And obviously most people dive in using their hands first, but I can't keep my hands in the air to do that. So he, he showed me a technique that he thought would work for me, where I'd literally have to, um, I'd have to stand up at the side of the pool. I'd have to fall forwards into the water. And as I was underwater, I'd have to turn and come up on my back. And I was really quite scared about this. I thought, what if I can't turn when I'm underwater? What if I get stuck upside down? And I'd sometimes be stood at the side of the pool for 10 or 15 minutes, actually trying to have the courage to dive in. And I remember one time, uh, at one time my teacher was so fed up with waiting for me, he just came along and pushed me in. But, it, but it, actually, it wasn't that bad after all. Um, and I'm so glad he, he made me do this because it has opened up so many opportunities. So before I carry on with my story, this is, none of this is to say, look what I can do, but it's just to show you the miracle that God has performed in, uh, uh, in, in my life, bearing in mind that the pastor uh, prayed when I was a baby that one day I'd be physically able to, to, uh, to walk down the aisle of the church. Um, after what the doctor said. And so when I was in, uh, in secondary school, I, uh, I managed to get my 800-meter uh, swimming badge. And then uh, regularly, probably age around 22 or 23 years old, I think, uh, I would swim a mile each week just for fitness. And I'm always looking for new uh, challenges, really to, I suppose, push the boundaries of my disability. Let's just see what I can physically do. And... Um, a few years ago, I heard about the uh, Sport Relief Swimathon, and they had uh, three different distances on offer. They had a 1,500 meter, uh, a two and a half kilometer, and a five kilometer swim. And um, well, I thought, well, I can already swim a mile, so let, let's go the next step up. And so I trained for the two and a half uh, a kilometer swim. Uh, I trained for it over a period of time, and I, I managed, to, managed to complete it. It took me quite a while, but I managed to complete it. And so I, I think it was in 2017, so four years ago, I wanted to go the ne next step further again and see if I could do the, um, do the five kilometer swim. And if you take your average length to center uh, swimming pool of being 25 meters long, it was 200 lengths. 
uh, of, the, of the pool. And I knew that this was going to be, <laughs> be a real challenge for me. But just the very fact that I can move my arms, which means I can, I can swim slowly in the water, I still knew it was going to be possible. And I trained for it over quite a long period of time. And, and, uh, uh, and because of my... My disability, I was obviously much slower than, than an able-bodied person doing it, so I think it took me about five and a half hours to, compl to complete it, and probably never again either. But, um, and then also, also in 2017, uh, having done that challenge, uh, uh, someone got in touch with me. Um, uh, basically, he knew I was into sports and into challenges, and he told me um, about a triathlon uh, taking place, the first of its kind uh, in the country, especially for disabled people, which was held at Eton Dorney, which is the uh, Olympic rowing venue for the, uh, for the London Olympics. And I've always enjoyed watching triathlons on television, watching the Brownlee brothers compete, and I thought, this is such a great opportunity for me to give it a go. And, and so I thought, well, I, I can swim. Uh, I thought, Let, let's let's just go for the longest distance that they offer just to see if I can do it. Um, it was a 750-meter lake swim. It was a 20-kilometer cycle. And you'll probably, you'll probably look at me and think, how do, I, how do I ride a bike? And I actually ride a hand cycle, which you'll see on, see on video in just a couple of minutes, uh, because I, I can't actually bend my legs uh, enough to, to turn the pedals on a, on a, on a normal bike. Uh, so I ride a hand cycle, so it's a 20-kilometer cycle, and then it was a five-kilometer run at the end. And I'm not allowed to run anymore because I've had major ankle problems in the past, but I'm still allowed to walk as far as I like. So I thought, if I can swim, if I can hand cycle, if, if I can walk, let's train for it. Let's see if I can do it. And uh, I remember the time I managed to complete it in in four hours, 12 minutes, and 47 seconds. And I remember the time because I actually did the same course a year later, and I couldn't have got much closer. I beat my time by 16 seconds. <laughs> and I worked out that if I could keep beating my time by 16 seconds each year, by the time I'm 100, I should break the four-hour mark. <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to happen somehow. Uh, I, uh, I actually did it again in 2019. I was actually a little bit slower. Uh, and then last year and this year, it was, it was cancelled because, uh, because of COVID. I'm hoping to do it next year. Um, we'll, just, we'll just see what happens. I drive a car, which is specially adapted for me. So I, drive, uh, so I don't have a steering wheel. I drive with handlebars, just like, uh, just like a bike. Uh, and, and I've got a head control, uh, which operates the horn wipers, indicators, and, and the lights. There's a button on my headrest. So, for example, if I, if I want to indicate left, I hold the button down for two bleeps. Bleep, bleep, and off. Or if I want to indicate right, it's three bleeps. Bleep, 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 and off. And this just gives me so much independence. So I regularly speak all over, all over the country. I go to churches, I go to schools, I go to prisons, just wherever I get invited. It means I can get in the car myself. I'm, I'm actually sort of independent. I, can, I don't need to go with anyone wherever I go. Um, so, so basically, that's, that's, the first part, that's the first part of my story. So going back... Doctor said I would never walk and may never have the strength to be able to sit up independently, but I believe that God's stepped into my, into my situation and has performed, performed a miracle uh, in my life to be able to do this. So uh, at this point, I wanted to show, show the uh, video, if that's all right, uh, before, before I carry on. This just shows how I've adapted to take part in some of these activities. Through you, I can do anything. 
Thank you, thank you very much. So um, I'm going to skip to uh, scripture. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And there have been, um, there have been many times uh, in my life where I've noticed um, uh, God's plans in my life just being perfect, just absolutely falling into, into, in, into places. Timing is perfect. And uh, what I want to share with you is um, in late 2018, I had, quite this, I had quite a surprising invite, which was to go and share my story uh, out in India, uh, which would be in August 2019. And I thought, wow, this, is, this would be amazing, but how is it going to work? Because you'll probably realize, looking at me, that I need help with certain tasks. And, uh, and one, of the, uh, one of the main things is that I need help in the mornings with, uh, uh, with actually sort of getting ready. And I thought, will I be able to actually organize my care out there in, in advance? But anyway, I was talking with some friends from my church uh, that, uh, that I go to. And uh, one of my friends, he's originally from India. He's called Isaac. And um, when I told him the name of the town where I'd be flying in, it was a town I'd never heard of before called Vijayawada. And uh, he told me he's got relatives who live uh, not far from there, and he knows the area. And without me even asking him, uh, he offered to come with me to give me all the help that I needed. And guess what he does for a living? He's a doctor. Wow. So it, could, it couldn't have worked out any better. That's just, just, just one, ex one example. Um, so uh, anyway... Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is uh, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And uh, we all face difficulties at some point uh, in, our, in our lives. And whenever we face our difficulties, do we see it as a problem? Do we see it as maybe an obstacle? Or do we see it as an opportunity? Now, uh, I think it was in, in 2014... Uh, I, got in, I got invited just out, the, out of the blue to go and share my uh, story at a school uh, in Bristol, uh, a, a secondary school. And I, was, uh, I really wasn't used to talking in front of people, and I, and I would get really nervous um, at the time. And I turned up thinking that I'd be going into, into a classroom. That's what I was expecting. But when I arrived, I found out it was going to be, the, uh, be three assemblies, the whole of year nine, and then the whole of year eight, and then the whole of year seven, uh, to a total of around 650 children over, over, the, whole, over the three assemblies. And I thought, help! Um, just because, I, because I'd be so nervous um, talking, talking in front of people. Uh, but that day was, was quite... It was quite amazing. Um, I had quite amazing response from the children they um they loads of children after each assembly came up to me asking me questions and wanting to see me play the uh, play the piano which i'll talk about uh, in just a few minutes but um uh, there were two things that really stood out to me that day uh the first thing there was a boy uh, in year eight and he came up to me and all he said quietly was uh, i think you're amazing and I didn't think anything of it until later that evening, the teacher who invited me in uh, said she overheard him say that and couldn't believe it because he was, he was the worst 
behaved in the year and was and was on and was on report. So uh, so so it obviously had an impact on on him. What uh, uh, what I said, and then the second thing uh, th that day was there was um, there was a girl in year seven and she she. Um, uh, she came up to me and uh, she, she said that when I started to play the piano at the end, uh, she cried because her mum had some sort of disability. I'm not sure what it was, uh, but she'd basically given up trying to cope with her disability. And so she said she was going to go home and tell her, tell her mum, and really sort of try try and motivate her, not you know, not to get, not to give up. And it suddenly occurred to me that day because when I was a child, I would actually sort of pray for healing, but obviously I am still physically physically disabled. But it occurred to me, what if God could use me use me through the difficulty of of my situation? And I didn't actually do anything for quite a long time after that. But about eighteen months later. Uh, I was invited to a church in uh, to a church in Birmingham where I knew the pastor uh, from a few years beforehand, and then having seen I was going there, uh, on, having seen on Facebook that I was going there, and a, an old school friend said, "Can I go to her school uh, in London?" And so I so I said, "Yes, yeah, yeah, I'd love to go." And then I really felt that, that that was it that I should actually sort of start sharing my sharing my story around the country. And, and so I set up my website, breakinglimits.co.uk, and um, at the start of 2016, and I, I prayed to God that if this is what I should be doing, would you open up opportunities for me to go, to go and share? And it was slow to start off with. I think I had six talks in the first six months, but it was just gradually sort of accelerated and accelerated so, so that in... Um, in 2019, I had just under 150 talks um, uh, altogether. All so God has opened up these opportunities. And, uh, and as well as going to churches, I go to schools and prisons. And actually, having my disability, I think, gives me the opportunity to actually, is almost like an open door for me to go in and share my, share my story. And I get to share what God's done in my life, as long as I don't say to them, you should. But at least that's, at least that's the start. So I actually think to myself now, I prayed, prayed for healing as a child, but I now believe that God is using me through my, through my disability, and if he had healed me, would I actually be any happier as a person? And I don't think I would be, um, because I'm actually getting to share what, what, God's, what God's done in my life, and I actually get to help people uh, uh, with their difficulties as well. So... We all face difficulties in our own lives at some point, but I believe that no matter what, whatever situation we face, we have so many reasons uh, to praise God. And just some I want to share with you now. God is our healer. Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 5. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And then Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And then God is omnipotent, isn't he? He's all-powerful. Matthew 19, verse 26 says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. 
And then God is omniscient, as in He knows everything. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And then God is omnipresent, as in He is everywhere. Psalm 139, uh, verse 7 to 12 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And then God is sovereign. Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10 says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. And then God is great, Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. And then God is our Savior. I've already read, read this scripture uh, at the beginning, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. These are so many reasons that we have to praise God. And so I want to encourage you that when we face difficult situations in our, in our own lives, not to focus on the difficulty of the situation, but to put our trust in God and remember through all things, uh, well, to praise God through our difficulties and remember through all things that God is our healer. He's our refuge and strength. He is all-powerful. He knows everything. He is everywhere. He is sovereign. He is great, and he is our saviour through Jesus Christ. And so I don't always find it easy to express myself uh, in worship with words, um, but I believe that God's given me a, given me a gift uh, in music. And so when I was a baby, the second thing that the pastor prayed was, was that one day I'd be able to play the organ like my dad. And dad, he would play the organ at church every week and being able-bodied would play uh, using both hands and all of his fingers. And you have to bear in mind that also when I was a baby, when the doctors gave the bleak outlook to my parents, mum asked with, that, uh, asked with that little bit of hope because dad plays the piano and the organ, obviously the piano is similar to play with your hands. Is there ever any chance of me playing? And the doctors basically said, look at my hands as they are. There's absolutely no chance whatsoever. There was even doubt that I would have the strength to press down a key but when I was five years old we had a piano at home and watching dad play the piano because he's a good musician it really inspired me and I thought I would love to be able to play what you're playing and so I asked if I could start having uh, pian piano lessons and although the doctor said there'd be absolutely no chance whatsoever my parents thought well if I want to do it let's let's give it a go it might be it might be a, cha a challenge that I could set myself. It might be some something that I could work towards. And so they set up these piano lessons. And the first thing was, did I actually have the strength to press down a key? And I did with my right hand, and I did with my left hand. And so just the very fact that I had the strength with both hands to press down a key meant that playing the piano was going to be really hard. It would be a, it'd be a real challenge for me. But I still knew it was going to be possible. 
So I then had to work with my teacher to find out how I'd be able to progress as a, as a musician. And um, I, I still can't, I can't use all my fingers even now when, uh, now when I play. But, but as soon as I was able to start playing, uh, I really wanted to try and get to a standard where I could play in church without my playing being a distraction. And what I mean by that is uh, because when I was young and with my poor fingering, I'd probably have the tendency to hit down quite a lot of wrong notes as well as the notes I intended to play. Um, but rather than going into any, any, any detail, uh, it'd be great if Tim could come up and, and if we, uh, I'm not going to sing for you because, uh, because you'll all, you'll all leave. Uh, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to play the piano. We're going to sing how great is our God. So if you'd all, all like to stand and, and join, thank you.
Sakai. 